Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm going to go to Jordan, but I'm not going to see Yazan. I'm not. I refuse. Thank you. Have a good day. I don't want to be with somebody who yells at me and treats me like that and who's very manipulative in the way he is. This is too toxic for me. I just don't have time for that. As far as I'm concerned, Yazan and I are done. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way Edition. I think we have to be almost done with the season and I'm not going to lie, I'm happy about it. <laughs> I'm actually like, okay, so hear me out. I, you know, I had heard of Welcome to Plathville when it came out, what, last year or two years ago? And I really was like, oh, wow, this sounds very weird and... But then I just ignored it. And when the pandemic started, I started like kind of slowly watching the episodes, kind of thinking that the season was longer than six episodes. Then I heard some information that I cannot talk about now because NDAs, but I was like, okay, well, let me just finish. I just finished the season a few days ago and it's kind of like what I would like to happen with counting on. Like I could see a world if, you know, outside of the obvious transphobia, homophobia that happened with Derek Dillard and Jill Duggar, I would have liked to see an evolution to that show in which we could have seen them be kind of 
the couple who was on the outskirts because they were more um, worldly, as the church folk would say, and were at odds with the parents. I would have loved to see that kind of drama because that really, for us people who have been suffering through counting on and 19 kids and counting for over a decade now, this is the evolution to that TV show that we deserve. This is something that everybody who's been watching the show has been seeing. Which of the kids is going to be the one to break free? Which of the kids is going to be the one, you know, there was a whole free ginger movement and that, you know, didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, And so I just wish that there was one kid who made it out. Unfortunately, I think because of the finances that are wrapped up, you know, they parents have managed to wrap these children up and kind of like hold them hijacked to the show and to the finances that come from the show. I really think that that really isn't ever going to happen until the show is canceled. So Welcome to Plathville is kind of like that because so they have this is a couple who has nine kids. They live on a farm out in Georgia. They, why am I talking about Wilson Plathville? This is 90 Day Fiance. What was I even going on about? I have no idea. Should I just stop? I think I will. (laughs) Suffice to say, season two is coming out tonight, Tuesday, as I'm recording this, and I'm looking forward to season two. And I hope it brings everything that I am hoping for. Okay. Let's move on to 90 Day Fiance. I'm going to start off with Devin and Jihoon. They had a really sad storyline. We find out, you know, what people had been suspecting slash outright talking about was that Devin had gotten pregnant again. Obviously, she lost the baby. She miscarried. Very, very sad. Um, You know, I think a lot of people figured that because when you see those, I don't even know what you call them, but like the intro cards where we see the couples She's wearing this pink dress where she obviously looks like she's showing. So I'm not wondering because it's really not any of my business, but it looked like, I mean, she looked like a showing pregnant woman. So I wonder how the filming is and how they, how they navigated telling, breaking the news of her having this miscarriage. Because if I'm going by what I see in the intro card, I'm thinking, okay, I know that women who have multiple children, you start showing maybe a little bit faster because I don't know how that all works. But, you know, I just, what am I saying here? I I don't wonder how far along she was because it's not my business, but I just wonder, like, in terms of production, how they chose to introduce this storyline. I'll put it that way. Very, very sad Fortunately, Dev, uh, Jihoon has been really, really supportive. His parents have been really supportive of Devin during this time. And, you know, there is a slight silver lining in that now Jihoon's mother has been there and present. And, you know, she's been shady towards Devin this whole time. But this really turned the page for her. And now they're rebuilding their relationship or building it. I don't really think they have a positive relationship to begin with because from the jump, Jihoon's mom had been very pretty vocal about the fact that she wanted Jihoon to be married to a Korean girl. Um, so 
Jihoon's mom takes her out to this modern history museum. Devin apparently is a history buff. She loves Korean history. She loves history in general. They go and have a great time as much as they can. We get the reintroduction of the translating Tamagotchi. I, I didn't know how much I missed her until I saw her back. And they had this really great conversation about how, you know, his mom asked how she's doing since the miscarriage. And she's like, you know, not great, but I'm super grateful to you and your husband and to Jihoon. I would not have been able to make it without you guys. So thank you so much for being there for me. And they just have like a really nice heart to heart situation. And Jihoon's mom says, you know, I really want to keep this momentum going. We're on a good page right now. And I want to remain that way. And I make that promise to you. And I hope that you feel the same way. And Devin says she does. It was a really like heartwarming segment from all of them. Can I change the subject a little bit? Something that I find interesting since that article came out about Drusilla and how production was having such a hard time with Drusilla because Devin won't discipline the child and they have just been having a really hard time. We have not seen Drusilla at all. Taeyang has been front and center and God bless because he's such a fucking cutie. We just see, like, maybe we'll see Drusilla in the background. Maybe we'll see her, like, grabbing at the furniture at some point, scratching at, at a couch like a kitten. And then that's it. I feel like we have not seen maybe 30 seconds of Drusilla in the past four episodes. Isn't that interesting? I, I, something must have happened. Something must have broken where they got the big guns of production in. He saw how hard it was for the production that was like available or, you know, they have production that's there day to day and then they have like the higher ups. So what happened was that the production that's there day to day were like, we're sick of this shit. They had to call in the big guns and the big gun saw it and we're like, Oh no, no ma'am. <laughs> so I think that might be why we're not seeing her. Interesting, right? Because it's not like Drusilla's cutting a check getting a check cut for her appearance on the show. So I wouldn't, there must've been a conversation that happened behind the scenes in which they were like, we just can't like, you have to do something with her when we're filming. It will come during nap time, whatever it is. I don't know, but I think that's very interesting. Let's move on to Jenny and Sumit. We didn't get much of them in this episode. It's the day after the big divorce has been gone through. Sumit goes to his shrine. He's lighting the incense. He's, you know, very, they're both very celebratory. Jenny is smiling like we've never seen her smile before. And, you know, he's lighting the incense to celebrate the divorce and ask for blessings since we know that his parents have been very adamant about the fact that they have no intention of approving and giving their blessing to have him marry Jenny. Still, I don't know why they are acting like they have a shot in hell at this happening. They're talking about doing this ring ceremony, which is basically the equivalent of like an engagement announcement slash party. Your friends and family come. It's a whole big to do. They bring gifts and blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, Sumit's making Jenny breakfast and they're talking about, oh, who should we invite? And Sumit's like, well, I'm only inviting people who are going to bring us presents. And I want to be like, okay, so it's just going to be Rohit. We have seen. It's not just his parents that don't approve of this. We saw them, Jenny and Sumit, go to try to have like a couple's picnic out of the park with his friends and the wives didn't even show up. They were like, I'm sick. No, because they're sick of (laughs) y'all. They don't even want to be seen on television with Jenny. That's how much they don't approve of this relationship. So I don't know who all of these people that they think are coming. Who are they? Who? Who? Houseway. Anyway, um, you know, then Sumit says, you know, I talked to my dad after the court last yesterday and, you know, he said he still doesn't approve of our relationship. And Jenny's like, well, why didn't you tell me this before? Why did you wait until today to tell me? And he's like, well, you know, I just, I, he just told me yesterday. I'm like, no, he didn't. He's been telling you this the whole fucking time. You guys like, where's the surprise, Jenny? Why are you going to act like all of a sudden this is brand new information? Honey. Okay, so then four days later, the quarantine hits, the lockdown is official, they have officially locked down all of India, or at least his province, his neighborhood that he lives in is a red zone, meaning nobody can come in, nobody can go out. They're both vulnerable groups. Sumit is diabetic, and we all know why Jenny is vulnerable, and They've been really taking this time to hang out with each other. We see a scene of Jenny talking to her daughter and her daughter's super worried. Like, what if anything happens to you? I'm not going to be able to get to you. And, you know, she's like, I'm I'm fine. I'm not leaving the house. I, you know, I'm just okay. I'm not going anywhere and I can't go anywhere anyway. We're in a red zone. So, you know, they've been playing cricket in the house. They're having a really good time. Um, You know, also we find out that we all know how Jenny's visa works, right? So there's a pressure to get married while she's here, not just because they want to be married, but also because her visa expires. She can stay there for six months stretches, but then she has to go back to America. So because the lockdown is happening and she's clearly chosen to stay in India, it's extending her visa. So the longer the lockdown happens, the longer she can stay there without having to worry about going back. So, you know, the pandemic's been hitting every, most people very hard, but apparently it's working in Jenny's favor. So congrats to you for that. Uh, Let's move on to uh, Ariella and Binyam. Y'all, are you guys feeling as just, like, over Ari as I am? Like, I can't. I cannot with her. And it, I'm really trying to be nice to her because the hormones are coursing. I think she just had a baby and I want to give her all the grace in the world. She's in a different country. I want to give her credit for that. She's also, you know, feeling very alone and very separated from her culture and... On top of that, I think even if in the best scenario when she was not feeling any sort of hormonal things, I think just on top of that, she seems like an anxious person. 
maybe that's an unfair statement to make because I've never seen her not pregnant or postpartum. But she seems like she just runs kind of anxious just in general. It seems like a normal for her. I'm finding her just like exhausting to watch y'all. I, it's unpleasant. I think it's fair to say I'm understanding where she's coming from, but I also just don't want to watch her. (laughs) Because it's not as if I don't have sympathy for or an empathy for her. But I just like, I feel like she's giving Binyam such a hard time and I, it would be better if we could see all of these things, all these claims that she's making about Binyam, but I never see all these things that she's saying that he's doing. All of these things that are making him so bad and all these things that are making, like, she keeps talking about how he's pressuring her and how awful he is and how he talks to her and how she just feels like she's beholden to this relationship and she's trapped in this relationship and she's always having to make concessions. I'm not, I just not, I don't see it and I'm trying to see it. So don't think I'm not like, I just don't. I think things are difficult because culturally they're very different and they clearly have not had any sort of conversation about this prior to giving birth to Aviel. But I also see, in my perspective, from what I'm seeing, is like she's putting all this pressure on him and making it seem like he's a bad guy when I think he's not. And I think he is really like, I mean, the man barely talks above a whisper. <laughs> like, how bad can he be? You can barely hear him. <laughs> so, Binyam's back to work full time. Ari's overwhelmed with being a mom. Fair. She wants help. Fair. But Ari, here's the reality of the situation. Most people are going to have to go to work. And if you were in America, more than likely, you would have to be going to work. So let's, you know, (laughs) consider the blessing of the fact that, like, you don't have to work, but somebody has to. And it's going to have to be Binyam because you guys are not married yet. You don't have the legal ability to work in this country now that I think you're even trying to but which is fine but you can't like begrudge this man for wanting to work like you're really gonna be mad when y'all don't have a place to live and you guys don't have food to eat then you're really gonna be hot under the pants aren't you Ari (laughs) like let's just gain some perspective here you could be homeless girl is that what you want She's acting like it's so awful that he is working. And I literally think that she's just being kind of like classist. Like, I think it's the work that he does. Do you think for a second that if her, if Binyam was like her dad and he was, you know, and let's say an ER doctor or some sort of doctor that worked overnight, do you think that she would be complaining about him going to work as much as she would, as she is from him um, being like an MC at a club. I don't think so. I really don't think it would be that big. I don't think she would be saying a damn thing. I really don't. And that's what's got me fucked up. Like, it's, it is, he's working. 
but it's also what he's working at. And again, these are things that you knew. And if you really wanted him to change, you would have asked him to do that before you went to Ethiopia and you made the commitment to living there. Right? <laughs> like, where am I getting this wrong? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Binyam's sister Wish and their family friend Artemis show up. And thank God, because these are the two messiest bitches that I have seen on the show in a long time. They are planting seeds. They're like, oh, must be really hard for you to be all here, you know, alone at night while Binyam's, um, you know, just uh, sweating at the club with the shirt off, probably talking to all those really attractive foreign women. And you know that he likes foreigners, you know, you know, that's his type. Isn't that sad for you? <laughs> Artemis is a messy bitch who lives for drama. Uh, Ari kept making it seem like it was Wish, his sister, that was being messy, but Artemis was really like, mm, like low key, like I just don't know how you do it, girl. Like, isn't it hard that you're just like sitting here with your just freshly had a baby body, and like your man is like out there with his button unbuttoned to the fourth button, and like. All of these, like, hot, sexy women who just want to, like, hook up with the African guy? Isn't that difficult? That must be hard. It seems like it would be hard. <laughs> they were instigating the hell out of it. Arya says that she has, she and Wish have some sort of thing between each other. There's some kind of beef between them. Again, something that we don't see. It's not ever described. This is just purely from Arya's perspective that there's something messy going on between them. And she is looking at Wish like, if I didn't have this baby suckling on my breast right now, I would beat your ass. And I don't know where it's coming from. She couldn't even hide her face. like, And also she's annoyed. She's like, you know, it is nice that people are coming, but like they just are here all the time and they pop in with no notice. And I think that maybe... Again, she thinks that Binyam is being underhanded and going behind her back and telling Wish and Artemis and all his family friends and family members to come over to distract her from the fact that he's working the clubs. Like, no, maybe it's the fact that you keep talking about how lonely you are and how you have nobody and how you only have him. So maybe he's like, hey, 
I'll have my sister come over because she's relatively the same age. She can talk to you and she speaks English. Y'all can kick it to each other. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Not like, oh, my sister's going to come over to like throw you off the scent. Like, I, I just don't think that Binyam has it in it to be this conniving and underhanded. Frankly, uh, Binyam seems like a very simple man. I'll just put it that way. I just don't think he has it in him to be so diabolical. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't add up to me. So the next day we find out that Ari Ari's parents are on their way. There Ari's having this conversation with Benyam. He's trying to fix the toilet for some reason. Ari's standing in the doorway talking to him about like also being pretty problematic and being like, Well, you know, I just feel like you should call my dad Dr. Weinberg. Like, don't call him by his name. It wasn't even, like... It just came off as, like, real elitist. Like, you're not good enough to call my father by any other name except for Dr. Weinberg. Like, like he's fucking Bethany and Luann. Where Luann gets a car and has a driver and tells Bethany... To call her, no, Bethany has a driver, and Bethany introduced Luann as Luann to the driver, and then when they get in, she's like, you know what, you really should call me, he should call me Mrs. Deliceps. You know. Like, he doesn't have to call me the Countess, but he really should call me Mrs. Deliceps. Like, you know, it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he, he should call me that. Like, girl, if you don't shut your ass up... <laughs> Shut up, girl. So his name is Frank. She's like, you know, and can you practice? Practice what you would say to him. And Benny's like, hi, Dr. Weinberg. Like, he got, he gets it. He understands what you're saying. And then he jokingly is like, oh, should I just be like, yo, what's up? Dr. Weinberg, like, what's up? She's like, no, please don't say that. He's like, girl. Like, is this man right? Are are you having a child? Because you're making it seem like your father's racist. And the fact that he would dare say, like, yo, what's up, would be, like, a disgusting thing to say. (laughs) That's what I was getting. I don't know. So, they continue talking. Ari takes this moment to start complaining again. And she's like, you know, you're working and I you know, you get to live your normal life and I'm just stuck here with the baby and you're not with me. And, you know, his sister, your sister Wish mentioned that other girls are around you. So now I don't trust you. (laughs) Because your sister said that you're going to be around women at night. I'm rolling my eyes right now. Then we find out that Ari has been looking through his phone and calling the numbers of people that he's been texting and that she called one number and it happened to be a woman. And then she said something in English. She didn't say what it was. She said, I, I spoke in English and then I hung up. <laughs> Binyam's like, I don't know who you're talking about. He's like, I talk to a lot of people. I'm, I'm texting just like any other normal human being does. Most of this is for work. Other people are friends. She's like, well, you don't ever explain to me who you're talking to and blah, blah, blah. It's like, probably because you don't know any of these people. Like, and you're probably asking him all fucking day. Like, does he have to explain every single person that he's speaking to? 
so then Ari says, you know, you push me to the limit. Apparently, like, you know, you're always portraying me to be the bad one and me to be the bitch. And it's like, is he just telling how it is? And you don't like how it sounds? You don't like your, how your behavior sounds when you hear it back? Because <laughs> that's what I think it is. So then she asks for his phone again. He's on a phone, like, texting. And she's like, he's like, yeah, just give me one second. She snatches it out of his hands. And then she's like, well, should I call every number? And says, hi, I'm Minion's girlfriend. Who the fuck are you? And he's like, do what you gotta do. <laughs> I, I don't care. Binion was not cheated on this woman. He said he cheated on an ex-girlfriend, not, not his wife. Some woman in the past. I don't want to say that. I don't know. I mean... <sighs> Do we believe the once a cheater, always a cheater thing? I think it's fair to believe it if it happened in your relationship. But if it happened to some like random relationship and he's had relationships prior or after that and he hasn't cheated, then I, uh, like at some point, are we just looking for trouble? And if really, if you feel like if it's once a cheater, always a cheater, then break up with him. You know, there, there's always that. If you're not comfortable with it, which is fine, then break up with him. Break up with him. Simple solution. So then later, we see Ari and Binyam in the car. They're, her parents are about to arrive in the airport. So they got Ari a hotel room right next to their hotel room that they're staying at. So they can, you know. Be close to the baby. Ari's hoping that her mom can help at night. And so Ari's going to just sit in the hotel lobby and wait for them. Binyam's going to go pick them up from the airport. Okay. So on the way to drop Ari off at the hotel, Binyam tells her, oh, you know, I have to work tonight. Sorry. Honestly, I kind of thought that your parents would have taken, you know, a 24-hour flight. I figure it's at night already. I assume that they probably were going to want to go to bed. And then this turns into her. She's pissed. She goes off on him and says, oh, you don't care about me. You don't care about my parents. You're stressing me out. And, you know, I don't need this. I can just go home, like, back to America. And I think it's just like, now that every time... Like, we see her mom, and now her parents are on their way. Every time her parents are present, she sees an out. And when they're not there, she feels like she's trapped. And to me, it just sounds like this bitch just wants to go back to America, which is fine. But it's like, don't blame Binyam for the fact that you want to go back to America. Because we have not heard since she got comfortable with her mom being gone. She's It pivoted from like, oh, should I go back to America before I have the baby? Before it's too late and I can't travel? And then she was fine, and I'm using that in quotes, but really, but fine. She was saying like, oh, you know, he just wants, he's talking me into doing all these things that I don't want to do. And he's so mean to me and I'm trapped here and I'm so alone and he can't work because I'm so alone. And I don't, you know, I'm just not satisfied. And now that the parents are back, she's like, Oh, I see an out here. My ass can go right back and hop up on that easy jet. 
and go right back to Newark. And I think that's exactly what she wants to do. And I see it loud and clear. So now she's blaming him for the fact that he has to work. And he's absolutely right. Like, y'all aren't going to kick it all night. He can go to work. He did exactly what I thought. So he goes and picks up her parents in the airport. He gives both of them flowers. He says, hi, Dr. Weinberg. How are you doing, Dr. Weinberg? Dr. Weinberg's like, please stop calling me Dr. Weinberg. It's going to get a little awkward. (laughs) Phoenix's like, I'm scared to call you anything else. He's like, typically, I would call you dad in Ethiopia culture. And he was like, just call me dad. That's fine. He's like, you know, we don't need to do the formalities. Exactly what I thought. So they get to the airport. They meet their new grandkid. Everything is fine. Frank, dad, Dr. Weinberg, whatever you want to call him, says that he was basically looking at Binyam the way I would look at, like, a potential new client. For those of you who don't know, I work with animals, which are kind eyes. (laughs) It's like, I just wanted to, he seems like a good person because he has kind eyes. Like, the same way I would look at, like, a golden retriever. You look shifty? Or do you look nice? You look like somebody who's going to nip at me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he is actually fine with Binium. Nothing is wrong. I, it's clear that like Ari completely terrified this poor kid into thinking that like her dad was like the king of New Jersey and that he was never going to approve of Binium and that this was going to be such a difficult uphill battle for him and everything is fine. Dr. Weinberg is okay. So they hang out in the lobby. They're holding the baby. They're, you know, having this conversation. Binyam's like, I have not seen Ari smile like that in quite some time. Ari is so thrilled that her dad is here because he works so much and he doesn't really travel. So the fact that he came all the way over is like a really big deal. And she's happy. And then Binyam's like, well, I just want to let you know, like, I have to go to work. And Ari's mom, Janice, is like, oh, I noticed that smile. Went upside down real quick, Ari. Like, what's happening? And she says something like, oh, like, she almost, she was understanding of the fact that he had to go to work. Until Ariella was like, no, don't give him that. Like, don't be nice to him. Don't try to make excuses for him. And so Binion has to say, well... Because Janice was like, oh, did maybe he just didn't know when he was going to work until it happened. And he was like, well, I just didn't tell Ari. Like, I knew I had to work. I just didn't. She's like, oh, okay. I re- still don't think she really cared. But Ari did. And so I think that they were trying to just, like, you know, play it close. Y- you know what I'm saying. Play it both ways. So he gets up and goes to work. But they get settled in their hotel rooms before they do. We never see Ari's parents. Ari's in the bed, helping the baby, feeding the baby. She's like, you better not uh, be asleep all day tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. You better be here for my parents. And, um, you know, you're going to work. It's going to make you look like a jerk. And my parents are not going to like you. And I just feel like, girl, you're threatening him at this point. It's weird. It's getting weird for me. 
I think she's putting, I don't understand really why she's putting so much pressure on Binyam. Honestly, I'm trying to make sense of it. And I just feel like her parents are probably a little bit more chill than she's making it seem. I think she's nervous about them. She's putting it on him. I think he's nervous enough because he knows like he's been through this rodeo before. He knows how, what it's like. Like he knows that he's, you know, not as financially stable as her parents would probably prefer or as she would probably prefer. And he's scared. He was like, I am afraid that they're going to take her back to America if they don't like the way she's living. And it makes me feel sad for him because it's like, I don't think this is something he can help. And again, Ari, if this was such a big concern, then you should have found somebody else to knock you up. Okay, let's move on. All right, let's move on to Tim and Melissa. So Tim's mom, Robin, and Aunt Carmen have officially arrived. Melissa says she's nervous because Robin said she basically didn't think that she was good enough for Tim. And remember that story that Melissa told us about how when she and Tim got into an argument in front of Robin, Robin took her into a room and told her that she would call the cops on her. So, can't can't disagree with you, Melissa. So, Robin, you know, she's like, oh, they get there. And uh, they get to the, they settle into the apartment and Robin's making all this small talk and polite chat and she's like oh you know how are you guys doing and Melissa's like you know we're just kind of settling into a real life together but you know we really need more time to kind of figure this out and you know figure out if we know for sure so Melissa tells Robin and Carmen you know you know welcome but it's nighttime it looks like you guys are tired and just kind of want to settle into bed I'm gonna go stay with my parents and Robin's like oh you know what that's really great and I think very considerate of you. <laughs> so Tim feels like me, Lisa, he, I don't know. I mean, he kind of talked about out of the both sides of his mouth. Like at one point he is kind of defensive, not defensive, but defending me, Lisa. He's like, I, I kind of don't know why my mom is acting all nicey-nicey when what can you expect? How do you expect Melissa to react to you saying you were going to call the cops. Like, I don't really know how you expect to bounce back from that. But then she'll also, he'll also be like, oh, you know, I think the fact that Melissa was staying, choosing to stay at her parents' house is like, you know, a step in the wrong direction. It seems like he thinks, and his mom thinks that both of them, meaning his mom, Robin, and Melissa have faults in how where their status of their relationship is. Melissa keeps saying we do get along, but not that well. <laughs> like we can have a civil conversation. We can talk and kiki and laugh together, but it's not where I would want our relationship to be. I think all in all, she is being way nicer about the situation than I could ever be. Because once you threaten to call the cops on me, especially if I was an immigrant, like it's a wrap for you, girl. It's a wrap. I I give her a lot of credit for even being as nice to Robin as she is because I think she's being way nicer than Robin deserves. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Robin keeps acting like she has no idea why Lisa would be uncomfortable, and she says, you know, I didn't really say anything when you guys had that fight. I was just a captive audience. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So the next day, Melissa comes to pick them up. Aunt Carmen's not there. Just Robin, Tim, and Melissa. And Tim's like, you know, I still think that you not staying at the apartment while my mom is there is going to send the wrong message. And it's going to send the message that you're not ready to make up. And Robin's like, you know, I do want to discuss what happened between us. So she's starting to admit that, like, there was a situation. I don't really want to get into it, but there was a situation. And it needs to be addressed. So they go to a market, having a good time. They sit down, they have beers. And Robin starts off by saying, you know, I really hope that there's no awkwardness between us because, you know, I don't feel awkward around you, Melissa. And again, I feel like, you should, <laughs> but I also feel like you're putting it on like, you know, Melissa, I feel like you are making this situation bad. And like, I don't feel that way. I feel perfectly fine. And it's like, well, you probably are. Cause you're not the one who had the cops called like a threat to have the cops called on them. So Tim breaks up, you know, that Robin said that you know, mom, you did say that you didn't think that Melissa was good enough for me. And she walks it back and she's like, no, that's not what I meant. What I really meant was that like, you know, if this relationship isn't going to work, then you guys should just go your separate ways, which are two very different things. But she then goes, you know, I just really love you guys and I support your relationship. And, you know, I, I love you to death, Melissa, and I just want you both to be happy. Okay. And it's like, okay, okay, I guess I'll, you know, you just have to accept that. If that's all she wants to say, and that's all the responsibility she wants to take on the situation, fine. Melissa seems like she just wants to move forward, and I think that's very mature of her. Couldn't be me, but it's very mature. Let's end on Yazan and Brittany. So when we left off... Brittany was on her way to MIA International Airport saying that she wasn't going to go to Jordan. Fuck Yadzon. Fuck his life. Fuck his drag. I'm not going. And she calls him a broke dusty ass. And then she starts crying <laughs> because she claims that Yadzon doesn't see her worth. And like, why would I pay attention and give my, you know, invest in somebody like that? And then she's like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. And I'm going to turn this into a girl's trip. Angela already bought her ticket. So we're just going to go. We're going to do all the things that when I'm in Jordan, I'm not allowed to do because Yasin won't let me. 
I'm going to have a good time. Girl's trip, Tiffany Haddish, right? So then we see Yasin over in Jordan. He says the situation with the car crash that he got into was that he had been calling and calling and calling Brittany. She didn't answer. And so he was like texting and driving and got into an accident. Okay. Not Brittany's fault. You can't blame her for you not looking at the road. That's that's not how it works, B. But I give him credit because this man is on the edge. He is on the brim of freaking out here. <laughs> He's just not going to react to things in a normal way. Because, excuse me, he has given... He has blown up his whole world to be with this chick. This chick who's not answering her phone. Mm, I don't know. So he says, you know, I thought when I called her and when I showed her the the, the crash photos that she was going to be like, oh, thank Allah, you're okay. And she was just like, oh, well, this isn't my fault. And it's like, well, it wasn't her fault. And yeah, she should have been more supportive, but also you have to be responsible for how you came at her. Which is, you texted her and basically said, I bought this car because of you, because you wanted to, like, flex on the gram and have a car and have a man with a car, and look at me now. Like, well, no. That's the that's not how it works, he's on. Not how at all. So, she lands in Jordan by herself. Angela's coming the next day. She's walking around the airport saying, I haven't spoken to his son since I got on the plane, so I don't know if he's coming to pick me up. I kind of want him to, but I kind of don't. Like, I'm here for the drama, but I'm also not. We see his at the airport, and he says, I don't even know if she's coming, but I'm, I know when her flight lands, so I'm going to be here and wait and see. And to me, this must have been a production thing. Like, clearly this had to have been produced because I don't know how big the airport is in Jordan, but it seemed very obvious that she was, she left out of the closest exit to Yazan. Like, Yazan's sitting on a bench waiting for her. She left out of that door, which is probably about 50 feet away. But again, this would have been the same door that he walked into the airport in. How did they not see cameras? One of them must have seen cameras, right? So Yazan notices that she's leaving. She, I don't think, sees him or we're led to believe that she did not see him. He sees her and then he lets her get into a cab and go on her merry way. And then he gets pissed. I'm like, how did you let her walk? If you saw her, the only way you could have possibly seen her get into the cab is if you saw her leave the airport to begin with, right? And to go and go to the cab line. Unless you saw her outside of the window. But why wouldn't you have said anything? Why wouldn't you have texted her? Why wouldn't you have called her and say, hey, I'm right here. That had to be production. So she gets in the car and is like, well, he's not here. So I'm going to kick it and have fun with Angela. So like I said, Yazan's pissed. And he's like, oh, she, I basically like, oh, you're just trolling me, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're just, you just did that to be a bitch. And he's like, oh, it's impossible that she didn't see me. And I'm like, mm, maybe, 
but maybe you know it's impossible because I don't know. I, I found that very confusing. So anyway, he goes home. She goes to the hotel. And that's the end of the night. So the next day, her friend Angela gets there. And Aunt, she and Angela have known each other since they were born. They're practically sisters. Angela says they have the type of relationship where Brittany helps her out with her stuff. Angela helps her out with her stuff. She gets there to the hotel. They pop bottles. They have a drink. And, you know, she's like, before I got on the plane, I got all these texts from Brittany. So I was really confused about what was happening. But I'm here. So she's like, you know, I was kind of confused. I thought that you and Yazan would come to pick me up. And she's like, girl, Yazan didn't even come to pick me up. <laughs> so then, you know, they're talking and she's like, is Yazan okay after his accident? Like what happened? She's like, no, obviously he's not. He's stupid in the head. <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> Brittany clearly wants to be petty for petty's sake and she wants to have this front of like she is doing everything right and like Yazan's just this idiot who is constantly making her life hell and she is allowed to yell at him and talk to him the way he she does. Okay. So Angela's like, don't you think that maybe there might be something deeper going on with Yazan? And Brittany's like, you know, I did think about that for a second but that's not my problem I'm like yes it is that's your fiance <laughs> if you think that he might be acting out because of something going on in his life he should be able to talk to you about that or you should be able to ask him about that and not just say this isn't my problem what's the point of being engaged with somebody if you're just going to say like any deep seated issue that they have is not your problem Mm-hmm. Brittany's Brittany. Brittany's Brittany. So then he happens to call while they're talking to each other and he was like, I saw you at the airport. And she's like, Well, I didn't see you. Why didn't you call me or try and get a hold of me at all? And he then they start getting into it. Brittany's phone dies. She's like, Well, that was awkward. And Angela's like, Okay, I what did I walk into? <laughs> like I don't know what happened between you and Brit and Yazan Brittany but I do know that I hopped on this 12 hour flight to get here and if you don't see Yazan I'm gonna be mad I'm really gonna feel some type of way and you guys are not breaking up until I get to see him so the next day they're getting ready they're going through the open air markets Angela is in a turtleneck and a coat and Brittany is wearing this like yellow v-neck showing your titty shirt and Angela's like are you gonna cover up at all she's like well my jacket it's like well your jacket isn't gonna cover your titties girl <laughs> so not an open jacket so they go to the market everybody's staring at them you know probably a they're a bunch of cameras b they're black see Brittany's titties um all of the above at one point they're walking through somebody calls Brittany Haram basically like you're sinning right now with what you're wearing she claps back and says you're Haram okay 
real mature there. So then Brittany's like, you know, I am walking through this place in the V-neck, low cut V-neck shirt. Like maybe this is what Yazan was talking about. Maybe this is why he wanted me to cover up. Like, yeah, probably because everybody's staring at you and basically calling you a whore. This is what he told you. He was very explicit about. This is not the, you know, she'd been to Jordan before. She'd hung around his parents. I don't know why this is suddenly. Now when Yazan's out of the picture, you're seeing what he's talking about. Well, maybe he, maybe I should respect his culture. Huh. Okay. <sighs> Dizzy. So then they go to a bar and Angela's like, can we? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So they get there, they're ordering rum and Cokes and having a good time. And um, Angela tells Brittany, you know, I really think that you could be more patient and supportive of Yazan. And not everything has got to be a fight. You, it doesn't have to be some big breakup. It doesn't have to be all this drama. Just like talk to him like a human being that you respect. Can you think about that? So then Brittany gets very much soft and he's like, you know, I was thinking that I would get here and I'd be having fun. But now that I'm here and he's not like, I miss him. Like I thought I was going to be an independent woman who didn't need no man, but I really miss my, my boo. And she's like, you know, I just don't, I don't expect Yazan to be perfect, but there are things that I really do need him to change. And Angela's like, you got to ride this wave girl and tell him this because you haven't been this calm talking to me about your relationship with Izan ever. So I know if you're coming at me crazy about it, you're definitely coming at Izan crazy-er about it. And you need to maybe think about communicating with him this way. So Brittany hits him up on FaceTime and he's like, I've been waiting for you to call me all day. She's like, okay, well, come pick me up. We're downtown. I'll drop a pin. So we at this point realize, and Angela realizes that Brittany is a little tipsy. It's just like, oh shit, this could have been really good, but now she's clearly feeling drunk and I'm worried that Yazan's going to start a fight with her because she's drunk. Because Brittany had told us earlier in the episode that Yazan's very, like, hot and cold when it comes to drinking. Like, sometimes he's cool with it. Sometimes he's very not. And she's like, oh, I just feel like he's going to see her after she's tied one on. And this is not going to be a good situation. Whew, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, y'all. All right. That is the end of this week's episode of 90 Day Fiance. Drop a five-star review if you can on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much in advance. Thank you for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.